Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. You know, Chris is on vacation uh, right now, and so I'm filling in for him uh, today. And you may or may not know, in the Methodist Church, we have a rule that... Uh, Communion Sunday, there has to be an elder or a, a minister presiding, and uh, that's really the reason I'm here, <laughs> so that we can have uh, communion, because I'm, I'm an elder in the, in the United Methodist Church. The scripture, this, you know, usually if I was preaching Sunday after Sunday, I would use the lectionary and, and pick one or more of the scriptures in the lectionary for that Sunday, and would preach about that, but uh, my I, I don't preach very often anymore, and so uh, I get to choose what I'm going to preach about, and so I decided that I wanted to uh, preach about Holy Communion. I have some things to say about it uh, because of my experience, uh, actually more experience in recent years than uh, long ago. The scripture I chose was the 22nd chapter of Luke. Uh, the 7th through the 23rd, I believe, up to the 23rd. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover meal for us, that we may eat it. They asked him, Where do you want us to make preparations for it? Listen, he said to them, When you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs already furnished. Make preparations for us there. So they went and found everything as he had told them and they prepared the Passover meal. When the hour came, he took his place at the table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, Take, eat, and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine, until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Amen. As United Methodists, we practice uh, Holy Communion once a month. That is our tradition has been for as long as uh, I've been a Methodist, which is my whole life. Uh, 
it's important. One of the things I enjoy about being a, a Methodist minister is the opportunity to participate in Holy Communion with a congregation because my experience with it is that it brings a lot of meaning uh, to those that participate. And I began thinking about my own experience with communion. Um, in seminary, I was in seminary in 1966 to 1969, long time ago, okay? We had worship services, one uh, worship service a week, and we always had communion at the end of that worship service. And then I thought about more recently, uh, in 1995, Nancy and I were in uh, Seattle, Washington, at the University of Washington, going through training as Stephen leaders to be able to come back. We were attending uh, First Methodist in Hearst, Texas at the time, to come back and teach Stephen ministry principles to our uh, Stephen minister candidates at that church. So there we were with a thousand other people uh, participating in the same learning experience. Lasted for five days, long week, wonderful training, and we ended the uh, program with a service of Holy Communion. It was so special for me that I will never forget it, that here we were, a thousand people, all focused in the same direction, all focused doing the same thing, uh, and yet we represented more than 60 denominations in that group, and we were participating and sharing together in Holy Communion. It was very special one for me. And then I think of other times when I participated in Holy Communion, uh, when I was struggling with issues in my life. Uh, one was when I finished seminary and there was pressure put upon me to come back to the Northwest Texas Conference and take a church. And I felt my calling was something else. And I was struggling with that. Other times, uh, Holy Communion, when I come for Holy Communion, uh, life is pretty good. I don't have any stressors at that point that are giving me a hard time. Um, I remember one when I was struggling with how I was going to go to graduate school. I didn't have any money. Uh, and uh, God provided a way for me to go, uh, and I did that. And later, the, the big blessing in my life was finding Nancy and, and the girls and we becoming a family. Holy Communion is very special, I think, to all of us. It's special to most people. We all come together with our own individual journeys, spiritual journeys, and we live out those spiritual journeys week to week, month to month, year to year. Sometimes those experiences are joyful and we, things are going good. Sometimes there is a great deal of sadness that we have losses that we have incurred or something has happened that has affected our life. And sometimes we come to communion with a great deal of worry and anxiety because of some issues in our life. Now, sometimes as a minister, particularly when I was a pastor full-time, I would know many of the struggles that people were having in their lives 
because they reached out to me, uh, partly because of my crazy credentials as a counselor. Uh, so I, I tended to know a lot of those. And uh, so I knew what they were struggling with. And I knew as they came to worship and, and uh, be in communion with God, with Holy Communion, I knew what was going on. And yet there were many others that I didn't, I knew they were struggling. I could tell it in their eyes, in their facial expressions. I knew something was going on, but I didn't know the specifics. But I did know that all were seeking to be comforted by their relationship with God in that moment. All hoped to find something that would bring them closer to God as they struggled uh, with their life. Each of us have had good experiences and bad experiences that we go through. That's a part of being a human being. Uh, you know, life is a struggle for all of us. Many of you perhaps are, how many of you are lifelong Methodists? Uh, more than I thought. How many of you were, grew up in another denomination? Okay. Did you grow up in a denomination that practiced Holy Communion? Hmm? All of you? Okay. Uh, how many of you... Uh, didn't grow up in a family where you participated in uh, religion on a regular basis. Okay? A few of you. So, there's a mixture of all of us. So, we come to this time in our lives from very different experiences. I grew up as a PK. I'm a preacher's kid. Uh, I was born Methodist, as far as I'm concerned. I didn't have a choice, you know? So, Holy Communion... Vespers, Bible studies, all of the things that go along with that, I was exposed to all my life. Nancy and I sometimes talk about some of the religious experiences we practiced together when we were kids in the same church, um, and those were meaningful experiences. All of these different experiences, communion, Bible study, Vespers, whatever you want to call it, those are meant to draw people individually to a closer relationship with God. In 2000, uh, we decided we had made a decision a couple, two or three years earlier, to move to Colorado to leave the Metroplex, and we had all we'd stayed in bed and breakfasts a lot, and so we had decided that we wanted to move to Colorado and have a bed and breakfast. So we bought land, had a, a home built, and moved there in 2000, opening up a bed and breakfast uh, in the community of Buena Vista, Colorado, and focused that this would be our life, and we would, uh, our life would revolve around this uh, bed and breakfast. Well, guess what? God had other plans for us, had other plans for us. The stick in, in B&B, they come and stay in your home and you fix them a big breakfast and chat with them the next morning. We were doing that one morning and the couple, the man was a Methodist minister, didn't know that I was one, and we were having a good time visiting. And he said, well, you know, your last name is Bruce. Said, do you know a Dwayne Bruce? And I smiled real big and I said, yeah, that's my dad. And he lives next door. And uh, he 
and Dad had known each other years ago when the United Methodist Reporter, our newspaper, was a regional paper, and he, they were both on the board when they made the decision to go nationally. So that opened up a whole discussion at breakfast, because they were our only guests, uh, about living in BV and owning a bed and breakfast. And we said, well, we like it, but there's not a Methodist church here, and we, we have to go to Salida to church. And he said to me, you need to do something about that. I know that the church would like to have a presence here, and you already live here. And that precipitated a long journey for us in establishing a church. As far as I'm concerned, and I think you could ask Nancy, she would say the th same thing, it was a pivotal experience in our lives uh, where we uh, went about working with other people, not knowing what we were doing. During that time, I had a lot of arguments with God about why are you doing this to me? Uh, I, there's nothing in my resume that says I haven't experienced starting a church, and I didn't. I thought it was crazy and maybe ill-conceived, but we did it, and it was a beautiful experience. And in that, we wound up joining a group that was already in town, an Episcopal church, and using their uh, facilities. Their, build, their church was, is on the uh, Historical Register of Colorado. It's a beautiful, small, old church. We began uh, studying together because I'd never been in an Episcopal church and uh, worshiping together on Sunday. And so a part of that was communion. Now, there's some major differences between Episcopal and Methodist, and I'll, you may know these. Transubstantiation. The Episcopal believe that when the elements are blessed, they become the body and blood of Christ. For us, the communion service is a memorial service for what God has done in Christ for us. Uh, they tend to have more liturgy. It's out of the Book of Common Prayer, uh, and our service is a, a little bit less liturgy. Uh, they use wine. We use grape juice. Uh, they believe that when the priest consecrates the elements, the bread and wine, it be the host become the body and blood of Christ. Uh, we don't believe that. They have communion weekly. We have it monthly. Now, I'm one of those that I like having it weekly. I've seen some churches that could do that, and we could do that if we weren't so lazy. Uh, you know, it's very easy to do. Uh, so there were all these differences, and we had to sort these out uh, if we were going to work together. And we wound up, we, we did different things, and I don't have the time to tell you about that. But we wound up, I would preach first and third Sundays, and the Episcopal priest would preach second and fourth Sundays. But in deference to the Episcopal, we would have communion every week. It was a wonderful experience, and I learned a lot because I learned that the Episcopal were much more intent and serious and reverent about Holy Communion than we were, okay? Just a fact. In fact, uh, one of the stories, I nearly blew up the whole thing because uh, the Episcopal were not happy with the way I was conducting uh, communion, um, and I was getting crumbs all over the altar. And uh, I told him, I said, well, if that's a problem, I'll bring my wet vac, 
and uh, Will, uh, and they reacted about the way you are. They didn't think it was very funny, <laughs> you know. But there were real issues we had to work out. Uh, but it was a wonderful experience, and it taught me to take Holy Communion much more seriously. And my take-home message for you today is don't treat Holy Communion like a vending machine. Sometimes I think we come and take communion once a month, and I, don't get me wrong, it's, I can tell it's important, it's very important to all of us, but it feels like sometimes it stops at the door, that it doesn't translate into the way you live your life during the week. Uh, I think sometimes we, we don't pursue things, and that's what I'm going to do this morning. Holy Communion is, is a very real thing, and it need, our, my concern is that it be an event beyond just what we do today, that it carries into the week. Does it really impact how we live our faith in some kind of substantial way? One of my uh, favorite uh, writers is Richard Rohr. He's a Franciscan uh, priest, Catholic priest, prolific writer, is, runs the Center for Action and Contemplation. And Nancy and I get a daily uh, email uh, devotional from him. And I don't read it every day. I, I don't read it as much as I should. And I was reading it when I was starting to work on the sermon, and the... the information in it seemed to be appropriate for our discussion today. He was talking about uh, the focus on being a Christian and the difference between our activities contemplating and our activity serving, okay? And basically he was saying that we tend to focus one way or the other. Uh, in my early, uh, when I was in seminary, in my young adult years, I probably was more focused on serving than I was in contemplating. As I've gotten older, I have become much more interested in contemplation, reading scripture, reading the Bible, reading devotionals, etc. Each Christian, each one of us struggles with this about how we live our religious life, how much time we spend contemplating and how much time we spend serving and one of the quotes he had was from Thomas Aquinas who said that the highest form of spiritual maturity is not action or contemplation but the ability to integrate the two into one life stance to be service oriented but also to spend some time contemplating about who we are as Christians. We need both. Contemplation is about letting go of the false issues in our lives and more focused on dealing with our relationship with God. And so contemplation demands that we shed uh, ourselves as the, as the central reference point and that we focus more on God and learning, teaching and learning from God. Then later, uh, this week, I was looking at a book that I would recommend to all of you called When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. John Ortberg, 
He's a Presbyterian minister in Menlo Park, uh, California. It's a great book, and he's, he's written a bunch of other books. He has a catchy way of titling his books, and it kind of draw you to it. One other one is, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat, uh, okay? He said some things that I think uh, are important for us to understand with the way we live our Christian faith. Everything, everything belongs to God. Our earthly existence with our toys and pleasures will vanish completely. And the only thing that lasts forever is our soul and our relationship with God. And he makes these points about what we, how we are to spend our time as Christians. One, self-examination and confession. Two, have friends who love you enough to speak the truth to you. I have one or two of those, okay? Some of them are in this congregation. <laughs> Three, time to be alone and listen to God. Four, examination of your calendar and your checkbook. Number five, key questions to ask yourself. How easily discouraged do I get these days? Second question, how easily, uh, it, how easily uh, am I irritated uh, today compared to six months ago? Okay? I think it's dealing with how much road rage you have. Okay? I have some of that. Nancy will tell you. Attention. Listen carefully to the last one. Attention to your secret thought life. What is your mind drawn toward, really, sincerely? Where do envy or blaming or judging or lusting rob your inner person of life and joy? We worship God, and we come together on Sunday to worship God and this Sunday to participate in Holy Communion. And he is present with us, and we feel that present as we worship. And, and in a minute, we will feel positive about being together in communion. But we need to go beyond that. It's sacred and meaning for us. It needs to not be only sacred and meaningful for us in the moment. We need to take it with us and make it more of a part of our lives during the week. Afterwards, it doesn't seem to consistently always draw us closer to God or help us be servants uh, in this world. We get distracted because of our own pleasures of the world, our own treasures. The things of this world draw us away from God and keep us from having uh, insight and also feeling the presence of God. So I hope as we participate today in communion, you will remember that the good feelings you have, the presence you feel from God in the moment, you make an attempt to carry that with you this next week. Amen.